At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I'm Micheline Malouf. And I'm Nadia Desi, licensed therapists and host of Getting Better, Stories of Mental Health. Join us for discussions with Megan Trainer, Chris Bosch, Rebel Wilson, and more. From discussing motherhood to immigrating to general mental health, our guests are awe-inspiring. We all struggle with the same things, so let's talk about it and destigmatize them. Find our new podcast, Getting Better, Stories of Mental Health, on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. The Black Effect Presents features honest conversations and exclusive interviews. A space for artists, everyday people, and listeners to amplify, elevate, and empower black voices with great conversations. Make sure to listen to the Black Effect Presents podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And human development at Texas A&M. Again, Texas A&M. See, I'm from University of Houston, so, you know, I know about that, that, that Texas A&M experience. The College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M has a mission of enriching and transforming lives through education and health and developing leaders and professionals in education, sport, business, healthcare, and related fields and industries. He's on the show today to discuss his new book, Race, Sports, and Education, Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Male College Athletes. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Dr. John Singer. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to have this conversation. Well, I'm going to tell you, after reading the book, I, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Dr. Harry Everett's in the book, we were talking, we were referencing the book I'm saying is the uh, book called Race, Sports, and Education. He, this book is about black 
male college athletes, and he suggested that you should include the, the female experience of the black female college athlete. And your reasoning for just going male was why? Well, I think for me, being that this was my first foray into a, an authored book, it was personal for me. I mean, as a black male myself who had hoop dreams and aspirations as a little boy growing up in Benton Harbor, Michigan, and as someone who has worked more closely with this particular population into my college years and graduate studies and now as a faculty member, it was just important for me to, to write about what I knew and what I was most passionate about at this moment in my, my career. So that's kind of why I, I went against the sage wisdom and advice of Dr. Edwards. And for this particular <laughs> project, I had to stick with what, what was my passion. But well, you know, you, you, you know, he, he is the, like, let's say the, uh, the, uh, the Messiah of this particular uh, field of uh, uh, study, you know, uh, when you think about him at the forefront of politics and, and, and black studies and especially from an athletic standpoint, you know, whenever you look at ESPN, you would always, they would always hunt him down. What, is, what does That's Dr. Right. Harry Edwards have to say? What is he speaking about? And, and when you look at the footage of him from the 60s, he looks the same. He just has gray in his, in his uh, mustache and his goatee, but he's still brilliant. What, what, we're going to get to your book, but a person like that, what impact does he have on a person like you? Yes, yeah, so I remember seeing him like in interview clips when I was an undergrad at Michigan State, and I, I just found myself fascinated with him i was like man he comes out of that tradition of the civil rights movement right. malcolm x's and you know the black panthers but he he tied his activism to the context of sport which really kind of got my attention as a young you know in my late teens early 20s going through undergrad and right. so it's amazing that you know 20 plus years later not only am i interacting with him but he's endorsing my book so he certainly planted a seed in me, I would say, that has started to germinate at this moment in my, my journey. Now, this book, who are you trying to reach with this book as far as readers are concerned? Right. So there's a couple different audiences. Um, first and foremost, the athletes themselves. And this right. can include athletes beyond just black males, because I think there's a message in this book if you really pay attention to the nuances and the narratives of the black males that I do feature in the book. There's something in there, I think, for all athletes who are traveling, you know, from high school into college sports. Right. But more specifically, I really want to reach the decision makers. Right. Those individuals who are setting policies at the NCAA and, and member institution level, those who are the practitioners working more directly day to day with these athletes, whether it's academic support for athletics or faculty on these university campuses. So I'm really looking to re and for that matter, people in secondary education who are responsible for preparing these athletes for higher education. So those are my, my primary audiences. Um, and then of course the lay audience, people who are just interested in, in the topic and, and sport and, and education will also find, I think, some value in this book. Well, they're what I call industry decision makers, influencers, people who can That's shape right. the way uh, uh, people think, uh, the, the decisions they can make about their future or, the, or, the, or how they're living currently. And so 
the the book I found uh, fascinating reading, especially we're gonna we're gonna get to chapters two and three in a minute. But I want to talk about the black barber shop. You know, I did a show on MTV called the Barber Shop, and it, and it was about entertainment. And uh, one of the things about the black barber shop is that you know you you're gonna get your share of sports, you're gonna get your share of politics, and you're gonna get your share of entertainment. What was your take That's right. on the black barber shop? Because uh, this is the fun part, you know, of, of, of our conversation. And I, I enjoyed the reading of the book. But when you when you get into that barber shop, it's a different space there, man. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and it's, it's my good <laughs> friend and brother, Rich Milner, actually wrote the series forward uh, for the book. And he, he talked about the black barber shop and the beauty shop and how his observations in that space really speak to, I mean, there's a lot of theorizing. I mean, I know we as academics, as scholars, we, you know, we pride ourselves in, you know, engaging with theory to make sense of the world. But in the black barbershop, that's exactly what you get. It's not in a formal sense, but certainly you have people with keen insights into these issues. So the black barbershop, even my current barber, um, you know, knows something about sports. Right, you know, and, and and the patrons sitting around waiting for their haircuts. You start talking about sport, boy. You see a different type of excitement <laughs> and, and and whatnot in that space. So absolutely, and I was glad that that brother Rich, Doctor Brother Rich Milner, uh, used that metaphor to introduce my book in the, in his in his race and education series for Harvard Education Press. Well, you know, it's really funny, you know, because uh, the, the the movie that uh, Ice Cube made and. Of course, uh, Cedric, the entertainer, started the very first barbershop was the closest version. The very first one, all those are good, but the very first one's the closest version of walking into a typical black barbershop. You know, opinionated. You always got somebody who's bigger than life in there. And you always have people who sit around inputting information. You have young generations because people, women will bring in their young kids or the fathers are bringing their kids for their first haircuts. And you have older generation people sitting in there. And so it allows you to think about so many different layers of experiences that you can get just by walking in there. And it's all tied to sports. And sports is such a, uh, it, it crosses racial lines, but it is racial. You know, whether it's the black quarterback situation or the, the you know, I was watching ESPN last night. They did this special called The Year of the Black Quarterback. You know, when you talk about Russell mm. Wilson, you talk about Patrick Mahomes, you talk about Lamar Jackson, who who's unanimous MVP. And he was a guy who was the fifth quarterback drafted in the year he was drafted. And so because people thought he should be actually trying out for, to be a wide receiver and not be trying, trying out to be a quarterback. And so, you know, these, in, these individuals who are changing the game, how does that affect your book? Yeah, that's interesting. One of the – it was in Chapter 2, the case study I did, uh, one of the athletes featured in that case study – Talks about, about that, that how, mm-hmm. how, you know, even his college coach, you know, they were bringing in a white quarterback and a black quarterback. That was Mark. And, that was Mark. Mm-hmm. funnel that black quarterback with the label of athlete, you mm-hmm. know, when clearly from the perspective of this young man that I feature in Chapter mm-hmm. 2, mm-hmm. he was the best quarterback and best athlete on the team, and right. he didn't understand why coaches wanted to limit his access to that quarterback leadership decision-making position. So certainly – the athletes that I've engaged with in my research recognize the very point that you're making. Well, you know, I think that a book like yours has to be written and has to be, you know, we can't all have, we have to have factual information about what is really going on out there. And uh, when I was reading your book and like, see you, 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 
you, you follow three characters because you didn't really give detail on exactly who they were or exactly what college they played on or exactly what pro team they played on. But you shared their position in college. You shared their position when they left college. And uh, the three characters played a major role in how each transitioned away from the sport based on how the sport treated them. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and it's really important that people understand that sports is such a, um, a, a, you know, everybody wants to be the next, you know, Russell Wilson or the next, you know, Jerry Rice or the next. But then you have this, this, this collegiate force or this college force out there. And you said the HWCU and I really versus the HBCU because those are two options mm-hmm. out there. But they're perceived options for success. When I say HWCU, we're talking about historical white college and universities, and you have HBCU, historical, historical black college and university. Explain those dynamics for us, my listeners. Yeah, so, I mean, if you really think about prior to the late 1960s and early 1970s, that's where the black talent really emerged. You talk about Jerry Rice. I mean, he was a, he's a product of an HBCU. Absolutely. And many of the greats prior to the late 60s, early 70s, when Harry Edwards was writing about this stuff, when he first began writing about this stuff, all the black talent was there. But once these historically white institutions began to realize there was gold in them, their heels, as they say, <laughs> that's when they started cherry picking the best and the brightest, as historian Gerald Ely talked about, it was a, HBO did a documentary in the late 90s called The Journey of the African-American Athlete. He talked about this mass uh, influx of black athletes into these historical institutions in the early 70s. And the real key moment was in 1973, they talked about in this documentary, when Sam Bam Cunningham, that's right. Came down to Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, he went down and just ran all over Paul Bear Bryant's all-white Alabama squad. You had the Alabama fans in the stands, as the late, great Eddie Robinson said, talking about, get us one. Yeah. Get us one, talking about a black athlete, you know, to, to, to dominate. And the next year, Alabama certainly brought in Wilbur Jackson. Absolutely. And then just let everybody from, know about that game. USC dominant West Coast College, University of Southern California. And Sam Bam Cunningham, when you give him a ball, he'd leap over the line. He wouldn't run through the line. Mm-hmm. He'd leap over it. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so it was like there was nothing we'd ever seen in college football. And to do it against, you know, the vaunted or uh, the legendary, you know, Bear Bryant team was, was, was incredible. And also, you know, yeah. the Nebraska team led by Johnny Rogers. And uh, those teams changed the way people saw black athletes. And then, then when Jimmy Johnson went down to Miami, and found that the, the, the southern version, the southern tip of uh, Florida, where all the black athletes that nobody wanted to recruit, that had all the speed, that's really started changing the face. But then they called the athletes that he recruited convicts. Mm. They called the athletes that Notre Dame recruited Catholics. And so, hmm. so they, 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 they named them. So, so when I started reading your book, you know, it, it just started bringing back memories, doctor. You know, so, so, oh, I, I, you know, you, I'm one of those industry decision makers. See, this is impromptu information you're giving me that I'm just, I'm just expounding. I'm just letting you know how important that your, your book is and needs to be 
be, be studied, but also serve because sociology changed my life. We're going to be back in a minute on our next break because you got me fired up, Doc. You got me fired up, man. This book is a, is a, is a great read. I'm talking about a book. I'm talking to Dr. John Singer. His book, Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Male College Athletes. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to midnight mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Whether your event needed one room or an entire conference center, Hopin has revolutionized the way people come together. With Hopin, you can host a fully-fledged digital meetup complete with one-on-one meetings, hands-on sessions, and expo booths. And because everything is hosted in a single, easy-to-use platform, it can be as big or small as you want, remain convenient for anyone who wants to attend, and give you access to data you never would have known otherwise. Visit Hopin.com to learn more and get started. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? Start the new year with otter.ai to generate automatic notes for meetings, interviews, or lectures. With otter.ai, you can search the meeting notes, insert images, play back the audio, and share them with your friends or coworkers. You can capture action items, remember meeting details, and keep everyone informed. Otter.ai works for in-person or virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up for free at otter.ai or download the app for free. Otter.ai, that's O. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Uh, you're listening to Money Making Conversation. I'm the host, Rashawn McDonald. I'm speaking to Dr. John Singer. He has a book called Race, Sports, and Education, and Improving Opportunities and Outcomes for Black Male College Athletes. Uh, my show is about entertainment. My show is about entrepreneurship. Um, I, I feel this, the, the topic that you're talking about is about money. It's about how the, uh, the institution we call the NC. Double uh, uh, Some people call it a money-making institution. Some people have called it a plantation. Some people have called it an environment. But I, I feel that, yes, you can say that, but it also impacts white students as well, white student athletes as well. And so, but we're talking about the black student athlete. And so you track three different uh, talents in your book. Why did you choose these three individuals and why were their stories so unique to your book? Well, it's interesting, right? So that particular, so that you're talking about chapter two in the book is really is, um, that chapter is based on my dissertation work. Um, and one of the reasons I don't, you kind of mentioned earlier in, the, in our conversation that I don't give specifics about the institution. That's because of 
the IRB um, protocol at universities where you have to protect the the confidentiality mm-hmm. of your research participants. Mm-hmm. But this research that I feature of these three black males, one of the reasons I chose them in particular is because they expressed an interest in the topic. So I had a connection with one of the brothers who was an academic uh, counselor in, in the athletic department. And he told these particular athletes about my, my, my dissertation research and, and they were very interested in, in, in sharing their story and their voices and, and cre- helping to create knowledge around the topic. So that's kind of why those particular individuals made it into the book, because they were willing participants and wanted to share this critical conversation that we had that formed the basis of, of chapter and four. All, and all three of them played football, college football. All three of them played football. And they were all high-level recruits. You know, they were, they were high-level blue-chip athletes coming out of, uh, high school, and they all at some point in time had a, a stint in the NFL beyond their their college days. They were that talented um, on the field field of play to the point where they all got a shot with varying degrees of success at the NFL level. But I love the fact that they all arrived in different ways. One was a free agent, one was drafted in the later rounds, and one was drafted in the early rounds. And we all know that that's Absolutely. a salary tied to that. And uh, two of them became are uh, in, in the fields of in the, are in the field of acting, and one in the field of sales. And so, yep. it, which, which which is really interesting because in my, in my I'm running into more and more athletes. Uh, the gentleman who won an Oscar, Matthew Cherry, was a former mm. professional football player. And so, so I'm running into more and more athletes, and I and I'm really reason I reason I'm really excited about communicating with you because I'm I'm really involved in a lot of HBCU activity, I, you know, trying to really uh, build the brand and the awareness of what HBCUs are bringing to the table, not only in athletics but academics, but also your book is about branding and marketing too, because it's about perception. Because that when you start, because that's why a lot of kids go to. Uh, 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 historical white college or, or university because of the fact that it's perception that I can get drafted or I get a better opportunity to uh, to be seen on TV. That's important to these young people today, as it is in the past, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that conversation has come up in my, not only in my formal research with black male athletes, but also when I was a, a, a academic uh, advisor and mentor of a summer bridge program, a lot of them did struggle with the decision to say, hey, I, I want to consider HBCU, but I know where I'm at in my career, where <laughs> we're at in society, it, it behooves me to go to the historically white college because of the, the media visibility, the platform, the resources to get me to the next level. So I've had many conversations with black male athletes over the years about that you know, decision mm-hmm. to consider HBCUs, but to look at the platform and the resources that these historically white college universities even, even though it's been proven that if you do have the talent, you know, uh, Steve McNair, HBCU graduate at quarterback, Tennessee Titans, uh, Doug Williams, of course, Grambling, um, Jerry Rice, Mississippi, uh, Valley State, I believe. And then also mm-hmm. recently uh, the, the Houston Texans uh, drafted a young man out of, I believe, South Carolina State, uh, offensive tackle mm-hmm. uh, from our HBCU school. So, and then also Darius Leonard, last year, he uh, was a uh, HBCU grad and made the Pro Bowl. So, we're starting to see, and also I know that the NFL is now holding a separate HBCU college uh, combine. 
So, so it's a lot of things that are happening that may cause that shift. May not be dramatically, but if it, if that shift started to happen, what would that do in the in the book that you've written? Would it would it be would it be a good thing if that shift started happening towards HBC? So the HBCU starting to see more quality talent to attend, or just status quo? Well, that's it. that's a very interesting question because I talk a little bit about that in the conclusion of my book, right mm-hmm. where. That's a consideration that we have to think about. I think about my dear sister, Jamel Hill, who was a fellow Michigan State Spartan alum. We were there in the early 90s at <laughs> yep. the same time. Mm-hmm. She talks about that, how now is the time for us to seriously consider that. It's interesting. I'm This Thursday, February 13th, I'm giving a talk about my book at Prairie View A&M. Um, Fred Bonner has a, what he called the Building on Resilience lecture series, and he asked me to come and talk about my book and, and, you know, implications it has for college sport, widely speaking. And so I think it's time to have that conversation. And in light of what Harry Edwards refers to as the fourth wave of athlete activism, right. where athletes are now any corporations in their own right, you know, I mean, with the social media, media platform, these athletes are being more empowered to, to control their own, you know, brand and Mm -hmm. destiny so Mm -hmm. i think it's a serious conversation that we can't ignore and just dismiss as oh it'll never be possible because the allure of hwcus is just too powerful i think that i don't know the conversation is 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 ripe and to be had well it's it's right to be had but will it be you know achieved and i'm not look out look i'm not trying to shut down uh my school the university of houston i'm just trying to let individuals know there are options and sometimes right. people don't look at hbcu as an option and i'm just letting people know that if you're talented and you want to be in and you do the right things in life then guess what you can participate in the sport especially in football now that's not showing up in baseball that's not showing up in basketball like that but in football has proven that if you got the talent they will find you and you can also and I- and that's, that's very true. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. So I, I referee high school and college basketball here in Texas when I'm not doing my university work. And one of my fellow co-officials has a son who is, you know, senior this year, being recruited. And I don't know if he signed on signing day, February 5th, but he told me after his son read my book, he is seriously now considering going to an HBCU after reading my book. I mean, I, that really – did my heart good when I got that text message from him, from him saying that, you know, because he's considering, you know, some of the some of the major Division One schools here in the state of Texas, but now, you know, the Texas Southerns and the Prairie Views are in, in the conversation for this young man and his family. Well, and so that that really was good. Because, you know, I don't care where you at. Well, let's, let's look at the, 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 the college world that's out there. You know, if you if you in the traditional H, uh, uh, uh uh, historical white colleges, okay? That means that even there, they, they have the Power Five, the Power Five conferences. And then, like, I go to the University of Houston, there's not a Power Five conference. You know, it's a lesser conference. So even in that world, there's divisions. They're saying, you're better, you can you can hang out down there. Then you have the Division Two. you have Division One playoff systems. And then you have HBCU. So no matter where you go, there are going to be opportunities for you, and you could be perceived like, uh, for instance, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver, when he signed with the University of Houston, and he, and they, they said, why? That's not a power five school. He'll never make it. Guess what? He wound up being the number nine pick at the draft. 
because his talent still, he still gave 100% effort. He still shined. And so I'm just letting everybody know when I read your book, not only were you supplying with me with information, but you also were affirming what I believe. If you, if you make the right effort, if you put yourself in the right support system and then don't let people sway you with negativity, then you can follow your dreams no matter where it leads you. That's what the basis of your book is, correct? That's right. And these athletes nowadays, they want to get on the field or the court. They want to have opportunities to play. And, and, and maybe it's a situation where they realize, hey, let me, let me come on home. One of my doctors and I, <laughs> right. did, a, one of my doctors and I did a study where she, you know, she, we looked at a young man. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school who started at Alabama but eventually ended up at, at uh, Winston-Salem State University. Right, and we 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 framed that we did we presented it at a conference and we framed it redefining the conveyor belt. You know William Roden's term and how these athletes are recruited from their communities from early age on through you know high school into college and how this particular young man redefined the conveyor belt and and, and looking at his story and talking about how he you know ended up at home at the end of the day when he was in that space called Winston Salem State University even though there wasn't the accolades attached to it that an Alabama provides, at the end of the day, as a man, he found that landing spot that he, where he finished his career to be, you know, comfortable. for him going comfortable. forward. Let's, let's put it comfortable and relatable, because that's what it's all about. I, You know, in the end, man, if you're trying to pursue your dreams, and I say who I'm speaking to is Dr. John Singer. Uh, um, his book is about... It's about letting people know that as a black athlete, your experience is different and it should be acknowledged because you talk about more college professors, you talk about tutors, you talk about mentors because, you know, you're thrown into a world that's really not trying to adjust for you. And that's really what can happen to students. And so that's all I'm saying is that sure you can be recruited, sure you can go to the school, but is is it accepting who you are as a person where in a much smaller environment, they can allow you to grow as a person. Because that's all you want when you go to college. You want growth. You want an opportunity to walk away and be a successful person in a field that is not athletically driven. And that's what the three people that you chose, and which I liked, because, you know, one, he left. He was a free agent. You know, he had a family, but he still went to L.A. And guess what? He's, a, he's working as a successful actor. And then one, right. he was a, he's a late-round draft pick, but he saved his money played several years in the NFL, and then he doesn't have a wife or a kid, so, but he saved his money, so he's out there. But he's not, he's not effectively pursuing his career like he wants at the pace that he wants, but at least he's doing it. And then the other one is a salesman. He's out there using his academic training, using his, the things that he learned by going to the school and allowing him to live a successful life. But that's all you want from, a college, from college education. That's all the opportunity you want. College, does college owe you anything, doctor? Well, you know, one of the things that and I talk about this in the book, Harry Edwards says, is that at the end of the day, education is an activist pursuit, right? And if you don't, as an individual, even though there's issues that we can talk about with the system and the structure, if you as an individual don't prioritize that, that's on you. Yes. So I think, you know, that's one of the messages I do want people to take from the book as well, is that I'm very... As Harry Edwards said in his endorsement of my book, I'm very hard on the system and, and my critique of it, but I'm also 
cognizant of the fact that the individual has to step up and make it their education a priority and an activist pursuit. So, in other words, what you're saying is, if somebody yeah. gives you an opportunity, take advantage of it. Because the three people that volunteered to be a part of your research, they use their athleticism to be educated. And I feel they're living good lives because they were able to go to college. But the, the athleticism wasn't the end all. It was just a step right. to a better life. And that's what, that was my biggest takeaway from your book. And the book I'm talking about is Race, Sports, and Education, Improving Opportunities, which what college education can do and outcomes for black male college athletes. My man, Dr. John Singer, uh, I'm a fan. Uh, please tell everybody how they can uh, locate your book. Do you have a website, your social media information? Oh, yeah. Well, the best way probably is just to go directly to uh, either Harvard Education Press website or either Amazon. That's that's really the the, the popular way to to get the book um, at this point. Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm, I am on Facebook. Um, so I don't have a website at this point for the book. But as I talk more about this book and and uh, it gets more attention, I will be setting that type of thing up. So. Well, my job is Stay to give you attention, sir, because I enjoyed it and I wish you good luck. I always know that Rashawn McDonald is a friend of yours and uh, your book has only opened my eyes to let me know that I'm going to continue to fight, but college changed my life. I didn't play sports, but if I didn't go to college, if I didn't pursue the opportunities that college presented to me, I would not be the man I am today. If you want to listen to any more episodes of Money Making Conversations, go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over $300 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.